Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 14, The Tree of Life. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Well, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. We thank you for joining us today. I'm Scott Mitchell, and I'm here with... Zena. Zena, the podcast warrior princess. <laughs> and we are going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Zena, how have you been? I've been good. How about yourself? I've been very well. We were uh, excited about the turnout and the response we got from being on George Norrie's Coast to Coast AM. I know. How was that? That was wonderful. George was a delight. Uh, the callers were fun. And uh, other than staying up later than I'm used to, <laughs> right? I really enjoyed it. Look forward to hopefully doing it again sometime. And thank you to everybody that listened or went back and listened on the website. Mm-hmm. And also, for those of you that reached out to me after you heard us and uh, subscribed to the podcast, our subscribership is now 2,800 unique listeners. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it, and we're just delighted that you would, uh, you would support us that way. So last time, last episode, we talked about the Garden of Eden. We did. We learned a lot of interesting things about that, that it's been around longer than we thought, you know. Right, which just is mind-blowing. On the world, probably, that was before even man, and Mm -hmm. we saw some things about that. And the interesting thing is we're going to find it's coming back. We talked about it's probably the land of Israel, but it's not limited to that because pieces or things or or um, portions of the Garden of Eden are going to come back as well. And so today we're going to talk about a specific thing in the garden that was called the Tree of Life. Which is very gorgeous. Yeah, the Tree of Life would have been an amazingly beautiful plant, tree, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fun thing about it is it's going to come back. It was removed from the earth and we're going to find out why. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to come back and it's going to be the thing that people can eat from to have eternal life. Right. Now, before we started the podcast, me and Pastor Scott were talking about, um, is the tree of life known as the tree of knowledge? And you were saying no. Why is that? That's right. Because the tree of life has wisdom along with it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see some things about wisdom likened unto a tree of life in scriptures today. But there was another tree in the garden And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we're going to find out that's the fruit that they were not supposed to eat from. And because they did that first and sin was introduced, if they had eaten of the tree of life, they would have lived forever with a sinful body. Yes. And that's not what God's plan was. Mm -hmm. So we're going to answer that question and more. And we're going to ultimately realize that the culprit behind all this is the serpent. 
Who's always a culprit. <laughs> always a culprit. And that will be next week's podcast, episode 15. We're going to talk about the serpent in the garden. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into the tree of life for now. And we're going to start in the book of Genesis chapter 2. And Genesis, of course, is the account of creation. God describes it. Then he talks about making man. And then he talks about placing the garden in Eden. And mm-hmm. remember, we talked about in the episode about the Garden of Eden. A lot of us think that it was just a garden. Yes. But it was a garden inside a country called Eden. Yes, you did state that. So we were talking about the Eden could have been much more larger than just a garden, mm-hmm. right? And so we read in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So that kind of explains the logistics. <laughs> and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he puts Adam there, the man, And we're going to talk about Adam at some point in the future, but the word Adam is actually the word man in Hebrew. Really? Adam. Okay. And interestingly, it it basically means red man. Now, why is that? Well, it comes from a word that almost means the exact same thing, and it's another person in the Bible who was Esau, who was the brother of Jacob, Mm-hmm. And they were born, they were basically twins, but Esau was the older. He came out first. And uh, there's a story about him not wanting the birthright, and therefore God didn't like him at all. Mm-hmm. But he became the father of the nation called Edom, or Edom. And it's because he was red and hairy. <laughs> Esau was red and hairy, like a goat, you yeah. know. So Edom is red. And so it, we, we believe that Adam was probably a red skinned person almost like if you've ever seen like alabama soil yes and god made man from the dust of the earth Mm -hmm. you know maybe the soil was red then right whatever (laughs) because he was made from the ground so um so adam means basically a red man or or it means like dyed red okay we wouldn't say red in the sense of like bright red for christmas Mm -hmm. we would say red in the sense of skin tone Okay. A reddish tone, an olive complexion, you know, pale, whatever, you know, any of those terms that we use to describe skin color would be used. So when we think red, we don't think blood red, <laughs> <laughs> although blood is red. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, continuing on, verse nine says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. This is for the man and his wife, Eve. And then he says, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you'll remember when we talked about the garden last week, we talked about the river that split into four heads. Yes. And that river, we're going to find out, is going to show up again when the, gar- when the tree of life shows up again. Now, why is that? Why do you think that's going to happen? Well, if I tell you that now, we're going to get to the whole thing of the end of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. There's a there. It really is sort of culminating in where this actual water comes from. And that's a mystery that we're going to reveal. Yeah, that's right. So we'll get to that, too. Hopefully we'll we'll find that's going to lead right to that. So when we go to Genesis chapter three, we know that after Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden by the serpent, and yes. they ate of the wrong tree, which we'll come back and deal with that in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But they ate from the wrong tree, and so as a result of that, sin was introduced. And the serpent was behind that. He had a desire to stop man from gaining dominion of the earth because he wants it back. The serpent was Lucifer. 
Yes. And he wanted his throne back. He was the king of the earth at the time before man. So now he's jealous. Man's got his crown. Yes, he's just a greedy little serpent. He is a very greedy serpent. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, God, knowing good and evil, he can do that because he's God and he's not tempted by evil. Mm -hmm. But others were. Yes. Some of the angels and Lucifer fell. Well, man would have done the same thing. Man fell when he came to know good and evil because he's not God. He doesn't have God's divinity and everything else. And so because of this, he says, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden. So they were expelled. They were banished. Now, where did he send them to? Out of the garden, but still in Eden. Okay. So they weren't banished from the country or the land. They were just banished from the garden because the garden contained these trees. Okay. And in particular, the tree of life. And his aim was, he says, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. So eternal life, we're going to find out, is in that fruit of that tree. And if Adam had eaten of the fruit with a sinful body that is now going to die... Because if you think about it, and not many people realize this, when God made man, Adam and Eve, male and female, they would have lived forever in a perfect body. Yes. They were never designed to die, and they wouldn't have grown old. There wouldn't have been disease. There wouldn't have been pain and suffering, any of that, okay? We're going to come back to that, according to the Bible, in a new heaven and a new earth. So everything comes full circle. Okay. But until then, man is in a condition of sinfulness because of what Adam did. Now, in a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about how history repeats itself. Do you think history will repeat itself again? Not in the sense of bringing in another condition where sin is introduced, Mm -hmm. like another garden, another serpent, another deception. That won't repeat because the Bible talks about once God finishes his prophetic program and restores everything, he brings in what the Bible calls everlasting righteousness. Okay. And he says there's going to be no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. So the bad things won't repeat. What will go on from then is what's known as the ages to come. And that's just pure joy, pure love, pure light, us reaching our greatest potential with the gifts God gave us, forever exploring, discovering, rejoicing, laughing, singing, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. It's hard to imagine. It is so hard to imagine when you live in a world full of just like sadness. It really is. And and it's it's really what's motivating me more than anything else with this message and this podcast mm-hmm. is we want people to see that things look so bleak right now. And there's a reason for that. It's not by accident. It's by design of the God of this world, Satan. Mm -hmm. But God knew about this. He expected it. He's not surprised by any of this. And he's offered a program. He's offered a plan. Yes. It's available to anybody. And as the time draws near, it looks as though Satan's plan is about to come to fruition. But he doesn't understand God's plan running in the background. Not at all, because he can't read the Bible. He can't understand (laughs) it, for sure. And he's also unaware of the fact that God's actually using him for his own purpose. Satan thinks he's doing this on his own. He's that arrogant. You've talked about how prideful he is. I (laughs) know. 
So he doesn't want man to eat and live forever in a body of sin, so he drives him out. Verse 24. So he drove out the man, he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So cherubims, angels like Lucifer, mm -hmm. but good ones, God's cherubs, okay. are guarding the tree so that nobody could come in to take and eat from it. So it doesn't leave the earth at that time. It's still in the Garden of Eden, and Adam is kicked out of the garden, but he's still in Eden. Okay. The ground was cursed, and now he has to labor to, to eat. He's mm -hmm. got to grow crops. He can't just reach up and pick a fruit like okay. he could have in the garden, right? So the tree could cause one to live forever. And before we started the podcast today, you and I were talking about wisdom being likened to a woman, right? Yes. Which is kind of encouraging. It is. <laughs> and, and it should be for every woman. Uh, so we turn to that book, Proverbs, because it's full of wisdom. And it's interesting that he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. So wisdom is a she. Did you hear that, ladies? We're wise. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never argue that point. <laughs> I can assure you. And I've learned through my own wife just how wise women truly are. <laughs> he even continues in verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established this, the heavens. And it's interesting to think about that when he talks about in other passages things that glean light about the creation, when I laid the foundation mm -hmm. in the book of Proverbs, he says, and wisdom was there with him. She was with him. You know? I wonder who she is. I think it's the personification of wisdom itself. Okay. But I just think it's a beautiful picture that wisdom is likened unto a woman. Right. You know? And I can honestly say that some of the greatest guidance and information and teaching I've ever received in my life came from the women in my life. You know, whether they were teachers, mm -hmm. whether they were relatives, whether they were acquaintances and friends, you know, honestly, it's it's not a it's not being patronizing to say that. It's a true thing for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gained a lot of truth and learned a lot of things from men too. But when I think about the things that I've learned from women, uh, that were righteous things. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, a woman could tell you lies, obviously. Very true. <laughs> and men do it too. But um, but I, I think about the, the honest wisdom that came later, like at the moment I didn't quite realize what they were trying to say to me because mm -hmm. I was too stupid to understand. <laughs> and then I grew up and I went, oh, that's what she was trying to say. And then you reflect back and it's like that thought never left me. Right. You know, no matter what I did. When we go to chapter 11 in Proverbs, we learn more about a tree of life being likened unto something. And we start reading in verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth much more than the wicked and the sinner. Recompense means paid back. Okay. So it's it's worth it to be righteous because what you reap back is you reap what you sow, mm -hmm. right? So notice he said that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So another picture of something that's good. In other words, things that are good are likened unto a tree of life. 
So the tree of life is important. Chapter 13, verse 2, gives us another analogy. A man shall eat good, but, uh, verse 12, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So you think hope deferred, something that you're, okay, I'm going to wait for this thing. It's worth waiting for. Yeah. You know? And it's like a tree of life. And it make, it's when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. And that's another maybe foreshadowing of the tree of life is going to return. It's deferred now. It's, it's a hope for mankind, but it's put off. Okay. And it's, God's prophetic program has to be fulfilled. So it's worth waiting for. So would you say the tree of life currently is in the third heavens? You know, I think it is. And the reason why I say that is because when we find out, uh, actually it's going to be some of the last few verses we're going to look at today. We're going to find out that a city comes down from God, New Jerusalem, and it contains the tree of life. So why wouldn't it be up there with him now? Right. The city's there. He's in that city right now. Okay. In the third heaven, just like you said. So, boy, you are really... <laughs> catching on to this stuff really well. So hope deferred maketh the heart sick. In other words, we hate to put it off. We want it now, mm -hmm. right? But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So I think that's a picture of God's plan. If we can wait for eternal life, it's worth it. Okay. If we can endure for that, it's worth it. And then one more in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A wholesome tongue is, is somebody that's speaking truth. True okay, words. I was just about to ask you what that meant. Right. Sound words, wholesome words, or good words. Okay. okay. So when we put all these thoughts together, we find out that wisdom, righteousness, truth, and fulfilled desire are likened unto a tree of life. And that's just four things. There could be more. Yeah. But that's just four things that we found. So wisdom likened unto a woman and a tree of life. Mm -hmm. And when you think of a woman who can give birth, giving life. Very you true. Know, there's all that tied into it. Righteousness like a tree of life. Being made righteous, declared righteous is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because it'll give you right to eternal life. Truth is likened unto a tree of life because true words, wholesome words, and then the fulfilled desire that's postponed, but you wait for the better good. You know, you want it now. Our, our desire is, you know, yes. I don't want to wait. But sometimes when we wait, we find out the better thing happened, the better result happened. Yes. All being likened unto a tree of life. So by hearkening to wisdom... One produces fruits of righteousness mm -hmm. by speaking truth, leading to a desire fulfilled, which is ultimately eternal life. And we're going to find out it comes from the tree of life. Hmm. What a great tree. Isn't it something? <laughs> and what an interesting thing, the way God put that all together as though he was trying to show us. You know, you wouldn't know it unless you search these passages out. But how many people think about, boy, I can't wait to eat from the tree of life. That's probably something nobody ever gives a second thought to in no, their day-to-day lives. I can be honest. I didn't know anything about the tree of life. The only tree that I knew of was the one that Adam and Eve ate from and then introduced sin. Exactly. And that tree, by the way, it's both of these trees, to me, all my life, I've heard people try to analogize it or spiritualize it rather than just let it be what it says. Mm -hmm. I remember a professor in college trying to tell me that he thought the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a metaphor for sex, as though Adam and Eve weren't supposed to procreate, and that was the sin. 
But that makes no sense yeah. when God told them to be fruitful and multiply. Yes. You know, what else were they supposed to do? So Just look at each other. And I think what happened was he, he viewed sex as it became after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been a beautiful act of love and procreation that God intended from the beginning. It still is, but it's somewhat tainted by sin like everything else. Yeah. So in this person's mind, I think they were viewing it through the lens of sin and seeing it as something that was like forbidden or wrong. It was never forbidden or wrong. It was always a part of God's plan to replenish the earth, mm-hmm. right? And so the same thing is done, I think, with the tree of life. People think of it as a metaphor for something else. Well, we were seeing metaphors like the tree. Yeah. We're seeing wisdoms like the tree. We're seeing righteousness like the tree, wholesome words like the tree. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it's the opposite. The tree is real. Yes. The other things are pictures of it. Mm-hmm. So I think men get it backwards, which is typical of what we do, right? <laughs> typical of misunderstanding the Word of God. So the tree was in the paradise of God. Now, the, what is the paradise of God? So a paradise is, believe it or not, a Persian word. <clears throat> and it refers to something like a garden. It's a luxurious place. We think of paradise maybe when we go to the beach or the mountains or yeah. whatever you love. you know. Mm-hmm. But the paradise of God is literally where he is. Or wherever his righteousness is. So paradise we can equate with being something that's not sinful, not tainted, not bent mm-hmm. or broken. Okay. And in, in this case, it's a particular, it's a particular place. And in the Bible, it's interesting, there's three locations referred to as paradise. The Garden of Eden or the Garden of God mm-hmm. is called a paradise. The heart of the earth where Christ descended from the cross when he told the thief this day thou shalt be with me in paradise Mm -hmm. and he went down into remember we talked about abraham's bosom yes a place inside the earth where the righteous were waiting for christ to die for them and they were good people so they couldn't go to hell they were good in the sense of they obeyed god and uh then um god's throne is called paradise the third heaven Yes. So three different locations are described. So paradise is a descriptive term, not just a single location. Okay. So we find in the book of Revelation that term in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, you were talking about, do you think the tree of life is in the third heaven? Mm -hmm. This is literally the answer to that. Because Paul accounted in the book of 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, being caught up to the third heaven, and he called it paradise. So we know if the tree of life is in the midst of the paradise of God, it's in the third heaven. Okay. And that's why we know it's going to come back down. All right? So Revelation 22 is where we see it come back down. We'll go to chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Notice in the passage we just read back in chapter 2, he said, those that overcome. That term overcoming is specifically applying to people that are going to go through the seven-year period of, the Bible refers to it as Jacob's trouble. People call it tribulation. I bet you've heard that word, the tribulation. Okay. And that's the time when the serpent is confined to the earth as you know, he was the dragon kicked out of heaven, mm-hmm. and he's going to be um, on the earth. We've talked about his deception might be we're aliens and we've come to help um, humanity yeah. progress in its evolutionary phase. Mm-hmm. Well, 
whatever his delusion is, he becomes the beast or the Antichrist at that time. And people are going to be forced to take his mark and worship him and everything else. The overcomers are the ones who don't do that. And we in this age today are not confronting that time period. We're living in something the Bible refers to as a dispensation, a dealing out mm -hmm. of grace. Like God is not, no matter how bad men can be, and we've seen centuries of war and atrocities and wrongs and evil uh, on this planet. But God was not judging the world like he did say in the days of Noah. Okay. His wrath has not fell on the earth as it will during that seven year period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's during that time that men are going to be judged again for wickedness. Right now they're not. They're being allowed to be wicked even though God can deal with them through like government and policing and judges and courts and whatever, uh, but not like cities aren't being burned up and yeah. things like that. So well, as long as we're in a time of grace, men can believe no matter who they are. But when the tribulation begins, God's wrath begins to fall on the earth. So we're literally delivered from the wrath to come if we're believers now. Those that become believers during that time are the ones that are going to be tempted to take the mark, to do this, to do that. Mm -hmm. If they don't, they overcome. Okay. And it's the overcomers that get to eat from the tree of life from that group, from that generation, if you will. But overall, he says, blessed are they that do his commandments in Revelation twenty two fourteen, that they may have the right to eat uh, to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I said eat, but I meant to say they have the right to the tree of life. They will eat it because that's what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. So... Gaining the right to go to the tree of life is ultimately what we're looking for. As humanity that wants to have eternal life, we're looking for that. So we know it was there originally. We know had they eaten from it, they would have lived forever. So God pushed them out of the garden mm -hmm. and he guarded the tree with cherubs. Incidentally, <clears throat> when you were talking about the third heaven and the tree of life, We've talked a little bit about the third heaven, and we talked about God's throne is there. Yes. And we've talked about there's four living creatures that are there in the throne. And it's actually described in the book of Revelation. John the Apostle, who wrote that book, mm -hmm. was actually brought up to heaven through a door in heaven. And he wrote what he saw while he was there on the sea of glass, the floor of heaven. Yeah. Remember we talked about mm -hmm. the sea of glass? And he saw God on his throne. He saw the lamb, Jesus. He saw many other things like angels in this. But there were four particular living creatures that surrounded the throne of God that would say, holy, holy, holy. And they had the four faces yes. of an ox, a man, an eagle, and a lion. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Those are cherubs. That's kind of scary. Yeah? That they look like that. You know, it's interesting when we think about that because I, I agree. Like to me, a four-headed creature... Would yeah. be a, a monster. Right. But it's interesting because there's a picture in that four. Numbers mean things in the Bible. We'll do a study about numbers sometime. Mm -hmm. And four is connected to creation in the earth. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game. And we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. 
Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. And so there's four cherubs that guard the throne of God, Mm -hmm. and the four faces are pictures of God's humanity. A man. Okay. An ox representing domestic animals. A lion representing the wild animals. And an eagle representing the birds. God created those creatures in the days leading up to the creation of man. So there's something that ties into that. So eventually when we see it with bodies that aren't tainted by sin, maybe we'll see the beauty of it rather than what our minds think now. Yeah. Which is, I think of a monster. Right. I'm like, you sure that's gorgeous? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason I brought that up, though, is because cherubs were placed in the garden to guard the tree. And That's correct, so that no one could come and eat from it that's right. been sinning. What do you think it might have been the same four cherubs, right? R- that would make sense. The same living creatures that ultimately, when the tree was brought up to the paradise, the third heaven, they remained there with the Lord around his throne. So mm-hmm. the tree of life is going to be very close to or tied to the throne of God. And that's going to bring us back to what you were asking about the river and the water. Yes. So that's where we're headed next. Okay. Okay. So if we back up in the chapter of Revelation 22, we start in verse 1, and we read this. And by the way, when we're reading this passage, we're reading in the context of the new heaven and the new earth. After everything prophetically is fulfilled, Mm -hmm. and God creates a new earth, and he brings his city down. And that city is called New Jerusalem. We're actually in the city right now as we read this. Okay. So that's where God's throne is now in the third heaven, but it comes down. It's in that city in heaven, and it's going to come down to the earth. Okay. And in that city, verse 1, we read, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. Now watch this which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. People think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I do a little thing about this um, where uh, in, in, in a book I'm working on where um, we grew up thinking that Adam and Eve were Caucasian the tree was an apple tree. Yes. And the serpent was a snake. Yes. Well, we've already learned that Adam means red man, so I doubt very seriously <laughs> they were white. Nothing is said about an apple. No. And I think the apple is much maligned. It's a wonderful fruit. It I should love not, apples. It should not be equated with sin <laughs> at all. And then we also remember that the serpent isn't a snake. It's a dragon. Yeah. So everything about that imagery is wrong. 
And I'm certain that Satan probably has a hand in it because if you see the true imagery, you start searching the, the word of God and you realize who he really is. He doesn't want anybody knowing who he really is. Yeah. So all these caricatures of him were probably created by him to disguise himself. He's a liar. The little sneaky one. <laughs> he is. He's a serpent, all right. But we find out that the serpent is something more, which we'll get to in the next episode. That's Satan. He can never just go on with himself. That's right. He's always going to be a pest. <laughs> so it says, um, the tree yields twelve bears 12 manner of fruits every month. And it says, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there's going to be nations in the new heaven and the new earth. And without going into much detail about it, I can imagine in my mind, after all is said and done, there's still going to be a need to be healing. Because even when Christ comes back to reign after that seven years, and he reigns for a thousand years according to the Bible, mm -hmm. there's still sin in the earth, and there's still death. The thousand years is a picture of what's to come in type, but it's still humanity in a sinful condition. The tree of life is not back yet. Okay. Okay. So ultimately, when God does create a new heaven and a new earth, all that will remain left after a judgment are the righteous. But some of the righteous might have a disease because sin is still in the gene pool. Uh, a lost limb for something because of an accident, maybe. I don't know. You know whatever. But the leaves will allow them to be healed, to be completely whole again, and then they can eat the fruit and live forever. How beautiful. Isn't that an amazing picture of God's love and mercy and grace? Yes. And speaking of his love there, it says, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, in the city, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So that's what... The tree of life is promising us, you know, it's going to show up there. And that thing about the fruit and the leaves for healing is also in type in the Bible, too. We've got other scripture we can turn to. So we're going to go look at the tree of life in type in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. Uh, and uh, somebody pointed out to me earlier that, you know, when we talk about the Old Testament book as the Torah, books as the Torah, Technically, the Torah is the first five books of the law, and the Tanakh is the rest of the prophets. Yes. Uh, but in casual conversation, the Torah can be all the Old Testament. You know, mm -hmm. people know what you mean when you're talking about that. So technically, if I want to be really, really accurate, I would say one of the Tanakh books, Ezekiel, mm -hmm. a prophet of God. And Ezekiel was actually given a lot of insight into future things, and he was given the exact measurements of the temple of God that's going to be built in Jerusalem during the thousand years that Christ is on the earth. And he writes all kind of details about that. Mm -hmm. Basically, from about chapter 41 to the end of the book is all about Israel's temple and their land and their borders and remember, we talked about the borders are much bigger. Yes. You know, from like the Euphrates to the Nile River. Mm -hmm. Well, in chapter 47, he describes something specific about the temple. Okay. okay so we're going to go there. That was just a little bit of a background. So when we read, our listeners can understand. And so an angel is showing him this revelation. And it says afterward in verse 1, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And he's calling the temple the house. Okay. The house of God. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. So that's just imagine like a stream of water coming out of the threshold. 
an interesting concept. It is. You would think, we have a water leak. Right. <laughs> Call the plumber, right? They're like, it's beautiful. <clears throat> Leave it alone. <laughs> so he says, for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, so this temple faces the east, and the waters came down from under, uh, from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, which is outer, Mm-hmm. by the way that looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. So he's seeing what looks like a leak coming out of the house, but it's continuing on, going eastward. Mm-hmm. And when the man that had the line in his hand, and he's talking about an angel that had a measuring stick, the line. When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. Remember, we talked about a cubit is from the elbow to the top finger so it's about 18 inches okay so a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the ankles so this little trickle of water is turning into a little stream Mm -hmm. that is up to ezekiel's ankles all right again he measured another thousand and brought me through the waters the waters were to the knees so it's getting deeper so what is happening here it's turning into a river Okay. Right? Uh, the waters were to the knees. Again, he measured another thousand, brought me through. The waters were to the loins, the waist. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. So meaning now you just can't walk in the water. It's not a puddle. <laughs> no. So it's an actual river. And he said unto me, son of man, he's addressing Ezekiel, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river, and the brink would be the word we would use for the bank, okay. the river bank. Now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. So the bank is now lined with trees okay. going along it. And um, then said he unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. So what he's talking about is this is coming out of Jerusalem, it's going to the east, and it's going to the Dead Sea. You ever heard of the Dead Sea? I have heard of the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea is a a body of water that the Jordan River empties into in Israel and Jordan. And it is so salty. You just float. You just float. And no animals live in it. Because it's, it's, that's why it's called the Dead Sea. It's not, people don't die in it. I mean, I guess you could drown, but, <laughs> but there's no living creatures in it, no mm-hmm. fish, because it's so saline. So it's called the Dead Sea. Uh, we think it might have something to do with the fact that in the ages past, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with brimstone and whatever, that maybe the salt from that trickled down through the river mm-hmm. and deposited in the Dead Sea, and that's why it became it that It just way. kind of stayed there. And, or it could be some other reason. But um, he's going to heal the sea. The water shall be healed, verse 9, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live wherewith the river cometh. In other words, living waters are coming out of the temple. You've ever heard of the references in the Bible to the lamb will lay down with the lion, and the desert will blossom as the rose? 
I have not heard that. There's things like there's hymns, there's references to it, uh, like you know Christmas carols talk about a little child shall lead them, and so the prophets yeah. say, you know, and he's referring to the time of the millennial reign of Christ is really okay. what it's about. So those passages are true because. How does a desert blossom like a rose? It's a desert, right? Yeah, it's, it's dry. It's dead sand. there. Well, when these rivers touch it, it's going to heal the land. It heals everything it touches. So it's an amazing body of water here. And the tree of life grows out of it. Now, that's when it comes down from God. But this is actually on the earth here. But it's a picture of the new heaven and okay. the new earth. So what we're finding is not one tree, but many trees that grow along the banks. And everything's healed. So trees growing in the desert, you know, right? right? Or anywhere for that matter where the river touches. Mm -hmm. And he says, it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Engleum. Those are cities. They shall be uh, a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. The great sea he's referring to is the Mediterranean. That's to the west. Okay. So... You got the Mediterranean. As you go west, you come to the mountain of God, Jerusalem. Then comes out the river. You continue east, the Dead Sea. It's going to be healed. They're going to fish there again. Okay, so the Dead Sea will be no more. The Dead Sea will be no more. Okay. It's going to be healed. There'll be great many fish. It does say, but the miry places thereof and the marishes or marshes uh, thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. So mm -hmm. it's like the salt's going to be pushed to the borders of section of it. Okay. And they're going to stay that way. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat. The word meat is an old English word for food. Okay. It doesn't mean beef. Meat was always food, whether it was bread or vegetables or anything. Okay. So the trees will be for meat, meaning they're going to yield fruit. Whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to its months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary... And the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. So it's a picture of the tree of life. It's many trees, but it's showing how this water that comes out of the altar from the sanctuary, mm -hmm. uh, or I said the altar, out of the sanctuary under the threshold, becomes a river that heals the land, that grows the trees, that has fruit for meat, and leaves for healing. Now, do you think when the tree of life comes down and all of this happens, Will that get rid of all four seasons? Actually, no, because when God said, that's a good question. <clears throat> when God said uh, he set those things in the, in the heavens to give us times and seasons and years and dates and everything, he says they're an ordinance forever. Okay. So we're going to have seasons in the new heaven and the new earth too. Well, we actually, I mean, we live in Texas. We really don't have all four seasons <laughs> That's here. True. Maybe Texas will be healed. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe. Now, um, Zechariah is another book in the Old Testament that we can turn to, chapter 14, that gives us another picture of this. It says, and it shall be in that day, in verse 8. And he's talking about the day of the same timing that Ezekiel wrote. It's basically the beginning of the thousand-year reign of Christ, or the end of the seven years of wrath mm -hmm. and trouble. In that day, that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea, former hinder, to the east, to the west, mm -hmm. Mediterranean, Dead Sea. Okay. Right? In summer and in winter shall it be. So there's your answer. Two seasons, right? <laughs> 
And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. And according to the Bible, that name is Jesus. He'll be on the earth. What I'm wanting to point out is he calls it living waters going out from Jerusalem. Well, this is like a, a broader picture of what we were looking at closer in Ezekiel. We saw the water trickle out of the threshold from the sanctuary mm -hmm. uh, and go toward the sea or the Dead Sea. This is just a picture of Zechariah saying that the water goes from Jerusalem, and it actually goes the other direction too. Apparently, the river flows from the Mediterranean to the Dead Sea. Now, why is that? It doesn't say why. It just says that the water is going to go toward the Hinder Sea and toward the former sea, mm -hmm. half and half. So Jerusalem is sort of like the center point at that point. And so I would imagine, if I had to speculate, it's because living waters are going to emanate to heal everything. Maybe when it goes to the Mediterranean, which connects to all the other bodies of water mm -hmm. in the world, there's a healing aspect to that as well. Okay. Okay. During the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, all of those prophecies are going to be fill, uh, fulfilled like the lamb laying down with the lion, which means animals won't eat each other anymore. They're going to beat swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, which means no more war. Mm -hmm. Okay, We've got trees for meat, so no more hunger. We've got leaves for healing, so disease, all this kind of stuff. And Christ judging the nations on a throne in Jerusalem righteously. No more crooked politicians, right? Yeah. No more corrupt judges. So a thousand years of this, you would think mankind would be going, this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah. And during that same period of time, you might recall that when Christ does come back to the earth, an angel grabs the devil and chains him up and throws him in the bottomless pit for the thousand years. Yes. He's not even around to make mischief, nor his angels. So it's like perfection from a human point of view, from a governmental point of view, that we'll have righteousness, we'll have good governance for yeah. a change. And yet after a thousand years, the devil's going to be loosed and he's able to gather an army together to rebel against God that's so large it outnumbers the sand of the sea. Why? <laughs> to prove that man, given every advantage, would still turn against God given half a chance. So that God will finally separate who's with him and who's against him. Okay. And it's at that point in time that he'll destroy the earth and make a new earth. And the wicked will be cast into the lake of fire and the righteous go onto the new earth. Okay. And they'll eat the tree of life. So it's an amazing thing because you'll think about people will be dying and they'll be considered a child when they're 100 years old. Their ages will be like they were back in the days before Noah. Whoa. Because of these leaves, because of these meat and everything, because of the healing waters. It's a picture of the world to come. And God's giving them such a picture that they're experiencing it almost as though they were there, but not quite there. Mm -hmm. And they still rebel against him. That is just It shows baffling. the nature of man, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We don't want people to end up that way. No. So this temple, this millennial temple from whence the river, the living waters come... It's in the land of Israel. It's going to be restored like Eden. Now you're seeing more of the Eden connection to mm -hmm. Israel. The temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, which is not the one that's going to be rebuilt during the time of the Antichrist. He's going to pollute that one. God's not going to use that one. Okay. He's going to build another one that Ezekiel writes about. And then the glory of God fills that house. It literally comes into the house. It's not God descending yet in his city. It's his spirit filling up the house as it did in the tabernacle with Moses. Mm -hmm. 
And then water flows out from under the threshold. It turns into a river, heals the Dead Sea. It appears to go to the Mediterranean as well. Trees grow along the banks with fruit and leaves for food and medicine. Uh, all a beautiful picture of something that most people don't put together. But we're going to try to put it together for them in the closing moments here. Okay. So we turn to the book of John. There's a, the, one of the four Gospels. And Jesus travels into a region called Samaria. Okay. Now, Samaria is north of where he is from, Judah. And Samaria and Judah used to be united together as a nation called Israel. They got split up because of some wickedness. And Samaria was considered by the rest of Judah to be the, the red-headed stepchild. They were the really <laughs> bad. They went after idols before Judah did. Judah eventually caught up with them. Mm -hmm. But the stigma of being a Samarian or Samaritan was against them as a people. So the Jews in Judah <clears throat> looked on the Samarians as lesser. You were the bad guys. You're the, okay. you're the, you're the mixed breed. You're the ones mm -hmm. we don't want to have anything to do with, right? Because you used to be part of us and you turned to idols. And even though they did too, they still had that yeah. Pharisee attitude, right? <laughs> so Jesus is in Samaria and he stops to get water at a well. And he asks a woman to draw water for him. And she's like, why are you asking? Why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew, aren't you? The Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans, right? This was how stigmatized they were. Yeah. So we pick up in John chapter four, verse 10. And uh, she said, um, you know, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, Thou wouldst ask him, and he would have given thee living water. And what an interesting statement to make. Yes. You know, he doesn't say, yeah, I just, I'm, I've decided I'm not going to be like all the rest of the Jews. He didn't explain himself about why he's talking to her. Mm -hmm. He just makes the statement about living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. If you understand wells, you had to have a bucket and a yeah. rope to reach down. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? So she's thinking H2O, mm -hmm. right? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Because remember, Jacob is Israel, and once they were all Israelites, now they're divided. But mm -hmm. art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and saith unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water in the well shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And what he's talking about is he is the source of living waters. It's his truth. It's his word. Remember how we saw that the wholesome words are like a tree of life? Yeah. Righteousness like a tree of life. Wisdom like a tree of life. Well, the tree of life grows out of the river of life, which comes from God. Okay. It's the words of Christ. It's his own words. So that brings us back to J uh, Revelation chapter 21 to close here. <clears throat> Revelation 21 verse 6. It's like Christ is sort of um, closing the message from his angel to John. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Alpha is the first word in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. Mm -hmm. So he says, I'm the first and the last. Okay. And then he says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So overcoming 
meaning the adversary, Satan, the world and everything against you is the idea that we're trying to do. Let's find out what's going on here. I'm going to take a short pause. I want to make sure my recording's not messed up. Oh, it's okay. I was like, that's moving by itself. Well, it's called automation, and okay. it, but it shouldn't be doing that. Oh, I know why it's doing that, because it's at the end of a, another episode. Never mind. Just ignore me. <laughs> For a minute, I thought, it's haunted. <laughs> right? I was like, what's going on? Okay. So let me get back to that. So remember, we had already seen in Revelation 22, the river of life comes out of the throne of God in the city, mm-hmm. and the tree of life grows from it. Well, the Lamb of God was there. It says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is the source. He's the access of the living waters. Mm -hmm. So the tree of life grows from the river of life. These living waters come from Jesus Christ, who grants eternal life to those who believe on Him. And what we're trying to get people to see is that the serpent in the garden has never changed. He's been trying to stop this plan from man having access to the tree of life, from man gaining access to the river of life, which is Christ. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the serpent in the garden next week in episode number 15. So stay tuned. And thank you so much for being a part of this episode today. So yeah, guys, if you enjoy our podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to it as well as share it and leave a comment down below something new that you've learned in all of our episodes. So once again, thank you for listening to Bible Mysteries. Until next week, have a great day. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.